Hello and welcome to the Healthy Entrepreneur Club podcast. A healthy entrepreneur is someone who achieves business success whilst prioritising their physical and mental well-being. In other words, they understand the healthy hustle. They possess the ability to effectively manage their business operations, make strategic decisions and nurture their personal health and brand for sustainable growth and long-term success. Hello and welcome to this episode. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good weekend. It's Monday morning here in Dubai and as you can imagine the sun is shining and we've got a quick episode for you today and it's going to be around the idea of keeping it private until it's permanent. This has come up because Antonio and I were speaking about this last week. It's something that we have used ever since we, we bought our first house together at 22. It's something that we really live by in our personal life. So it's more of a life episode this one rather than business, although I've got a couple of points towards the end around how we've used it in corporate experience to sort of negate the reasoning for uh, sort of corporate espionage. But keep it private until it's permanent for us is something that or a strategy that we use to really keep ourselves accountable to what we're doing and to stop ourselves from being pushed around in other directions. And the reason that we like to use this, this sort of strategy is because through no fault of their own, people like to copy. A lot of people like to copy other people and it's, it could be because they, they haven't got enough creativity to have, the, to have their own ideas. I think that's a bit of a generalization. I think what actually happens is if you know the journey you're on and the goal you're moving towards, people just levitate towards wanting to follow you, which I think is absolutely fair enough. But obviously there's lots of places in your life and in your business where you won't want people to copy you or you at least want to have a head start on what you're doing before you let those people move in and start to see what you're doing, find the details and, and, and you know, follow, follow in your footsteps, which I think is absolutely fine. And it's something that we have really lived by. So I want to give you a few examples of this just to make sure you understand that it's coming from a life point of view rather than a way of like, don't copy me. You know, I want to do my own thing. It's really not that. It's really more around just giving yourself that little advantage in the things that you do because, you know, humans like to, for lack of a better word, copy. We like to follow uh, the path of least resistance, which is exactly why a lot of us would get business coaches or you know, co- life coaches, because we want to use their knowledge to speed up our own success journeys, which is absolutely fine, which is brilliant, in fact. But what we're talking about here is just making sure that in your own little decisions that you're making in your day-to-day life, perhaps think about the idea of keeping it private until it is permanent, or at least until you've moved forward enough that you're happy for other people to then give their ideas. So the first reason I have have for doing this is to avoid unnecessary speculation and pressure. So my example is when Antonia and I moved to to Dubai. So if you know our story, in 2022, uh, early 2022, actually in May, we had a car crash. And it's one of those things that sort of catalyst to drive our uh, our life forward. We had a lovely, amazing life in in England. Um, Very, very happy. You know, we had a, a great sort of journey and success story that was happening but that catalyst was one that came early on in our lives and I think everyone goes through it where you have that catalyst to change your life or to experience more or to try something new and have an adventure and so what we did was three months later we moved to Dubai bearing in mind we had a house we had lots of stuff going on in England we had projects installing we had so much going on but we wanted to do something different we wanted to launch our business in Dubai, in a new place. We've always wanted to live abroad. abroad. We've done a lot of traveling. We've been to you know, more, than tw- more than 30 countries together. 
And it was something that we wanted to do. So what we did was we spoke to a couple of people to get advice, people that were already here, people that had businesses here, to get advice on what we could do, the, the, the pitfalls and the things that we should be doing and shouldn't be doing. But we didn't speak to people that we thought would be emotional around the, uh, around the topic. We avoided unnecessary speculation in terms of what are the negatives of Dubai? What are you going to do with, with the dog? What are you going to do with the heat? You know, what if the business fails there? It works in England, but what if it doesn't work there? It's different. It's different cultures. People want different things. Because what comes with that speculation and that, that talk is pressure. And what I don't think you need, so we're 27 at the time, what I don't think you need, you know, that at any time in your life, to be honest, but, you know, I can only speak from my own experience, is unnecessary pressure. And so, you know, you can imagine speaking to your friends, uh, your family, even people that you're still, you know, your clients you're working with. I think there would be a lot of speculation and even just, just talk. If they're just talking to you, it's very easy for, for people to unsettle your own ideas and opinions. And what's interesting there is that you can and should do your own research first. So we are, we are clever enough and we, we are confident enough on our own abilities to be able to have done enough research in what we're going to do that we knew we could make a success. It was inevitable that we would make it successful in some form. What we didn't do then is speak to people that hadn't done what we wanted to do, you know, for, for a number of reasons and had a motive for us to stay, i.e. they love us, they want us to be around them you know, living that life that we already had, that secure life that we had, you know, that normal path of, um, you know, job, business, house, mortgage, whatever. So for us, and that example of the divine move, we kept it private until it was permanent. So we kept it private until we had effectively got the business ready to move to Dubai. We had sold the house, we had sold all our stuff, we then told everyone, which might sound brutal. And, you know, if any of my family are listening, I'm sorry, <laughs> but it was one of those things where we'd already done you know, what we wanted to do. We understood what we were going to do and the risks. And the only thing that could have happened is we could have been talked out of it. And we didn't want that to happen. So we, we, we made that decision. So that's the first example I've got. The second one is a different example, and it's to protect your privacy. So this could be for things like uh, business decisions, but also, again, could be moving, could be anything. So uh, Antonio and I bought our first house in England at 22, uh, and we then subsequently bought another uh, later on, and we were doing property development on them. So that was where Studio New started to really develop these properties to add value and to increase the well-being of the, the occupants. And that was our USP. And so what we learned there was keep, keep it very much private in terms of buying a house and renovating a house until, you, until it's permanent, you're going to sell it, we would keep everything very, very quiet. So, you know, I could explain that in two different ways. When we were going to sell a house and move, we wouldn't tell anyone that the house was even on the market until it had sold. So that's family, friends, that kind of thing. Because again, similar to the first example, people become, become emotional and they want, to, they want to worry about you almost because they want to know, you know, where are you moving? Did you lose money on that house? You know, are you okay? Do you need help here? It actually comes from a place of love, of course. But for us, keeping things like that private until they became permanent. There's no, there's no reason to worry people. You know, people always worry about others. And if you're lucky enough to have a, a strong support system of friends and family around you, they will worry and they'll want to help. And actually that can be a hindrance if you're on that mission to, to achieve something um, like selling a house, turning a profit, buying another one. That is a very stressful and difficult 
um, phase. So again, we kept it private until it was sold. In the same way that we wouldn't tell anyone the design ideas until we had started implementing them. Because, you know, although Antonio is an award-winning interior designer, you could imagine our mums, for, for lack of a better example, other people as well, but normally our mums had great ideas they wanted to put in. So we would just keep it all private until we started to renovate. We had the, the plans drawn up. We had all the, the CAD stuff done. We'd show them the example and it would be, it would be installed by the, by, the, uh, by the guys. And again, just keeping it private. There's no need to allow things to be um, moved or swayed, ideas and opinions to be added if they're not required. Of course, we ask for mentorship from lots of people. We ask constantly. I'm obsessed with asking other people what they've done and how they've learned this and what they're doing here, not only in business, but in their life. I think you can learn something from absolutely everyone. You know, I literally had a 10 minute chat a minute ago with the guy that was delivering the water because, you know, he's a super interesting guy and I've got time to speak to everyone. Why not learn from him? And I, I learned today about his journey, which is so cool. And I think that's one of the things that people, um, that's a massive tangent, but one of the things that people don't, um, they don't spend enough time doing. Anyway, protect your privacy. That was the example of our houses. Next example I've got is minimizing external influence, which is kind of the same as what I've just said. But this example is when we bought, which sounds horrible, when we got our dog. Uh, so we obviously bought our dog in the UK. His name's Olsen, for, you, for those of you who haven't seen him. He's a fox red Labrador. He's two and a half. Um, so he's a classic lockdown purchase. Um, he, we bought him from Wales. He, is in, he was in the UK with us and he's been in Dubai now for six months and he's absolutely loving it. He's a very, very happy boy. Anyway, the example here is minimizing the external influence until you've made that decision. And the reason I want to use Olsen as an example is because a dog is a, is a commitment. You know, I'm sure many of you have got pets. Um, all pets are a commitment, but dogs in particular are a big commitment because you know, he's a big dog. He's a 30 kilo dog. He's two. He's got a lot of energy. He, is going to, he, he requires a lot of our time, especially if we, if we want to make him super healthy. So he, you know, getting the right diet, making sure he's getting enough exercise. And he'll be with us for hopefully you know, 12 to 15 years. It's a massive commitment. And we were 26 yeah, 26 when we got him. So we're not, we're not super young, but young enough that 15 years will take us through a, a massive chunk of our life and a very stressful time of our life. Um, so, you know, that was one of the, the things that we thought, let's think about this ourselves. We spent months thinking about this. As you, if you could do the maths from, from today backwards, that was middle of 2020. So middle of lockdown, when everyone else bought their dogs, we were sucked into that, that uh, you know, that sort of phase, which I don't regret. I think it was absolutely the right decision to do. There's never a good time to make these decisions. Um, so that was a great thing for us to do. But we minimized external influences. So we didn't ask anyone's opinion on if we should get a dog. We didn't ask anyone's opinion on if we should uh, wait or what kind of breed we should get. We already knew what breed we wanted to get. We already knew that it was the right time and that he would never stop us from doing anything. That was the main thing that Antonio and I agreed on. He would never stop us from doing anything. He would always be uh, alongside us, hence why he's here in Dubai and he's not been left with parents or friends in the UK. Um, so what we did was we literally went through this whole phase of, of looking for dogs, um, buying him, getting, getting the registration done for his kennel club and all his jabs and injections and everything. 
And then we went all the way up to Wales. So it was something like a five hour journey up from Bath up to North Wales, through the valleys, uh, and then back down again with this four kilo puppy that was the size of sort of my forearm. We put him on our, our coffee table in the front room, took a picture and sent it to all of our group chats with our different families and, and friends and said, look, we've got a dog. And everyone was super happy. No one raised a single concern. Everyone absolutely loved him. And we completely mitigated that external influence that could have taught us out of it. Because if someone comes to you with a very rational argument of a dog is gonna take us this much time, cost this much money, last this long, could overlap with some significant life events in your late 20s into your um, you know, early and late 30s, it's gonna be more difficult than if you don't do it. It could be very easy to talk us out of something, but he kept it private until it was permanent and it was absolutely the right decision for us. And therefore, again, it pushes towards the, uh, the topic of this podcast episode. Um, the last one is where I want to bring into, uh, into the conversation sort of corporate experience, corporate espionage, and the reasoning for on the business side why you should think about keeping it private until it's permanent. And this is an interesting one because obviously in a business, if you're gonna launch a software, if you're gonna launch a product, a service, you need to get market fit. You need to find out if there are warm signals in the market that what you're actually going to do and build, because hopefully you build it after you've already got those signals. You need to find out if there is that market fit and you need to be able to find out without letting everyone know so people can copy you or that they can, they can do other things, whatever. So what we want to do here, and the topic of this sort of part is the, maintain, the maintenance or maintaining flexibility. So in my corporate life, um, we had incredible software that we would license out and white label to other massive companies. We would also buy different companies. And all these deals that we're doing would all be kept incredibly, incredibly private until they were permanent. Actually, more than that, we would end up creating this system, this engine, that when we bought a, you know, a half a billion pound company in, we'd be able to plug them straight into our current team. So our teams were fully enabled to you know, bring in a massive company and bring them into their workflow uh, and get projects started and, and completed without people even needing to know that we bought the company yet. So obviously no work was being done on it because that would break the, the, the laws, but we were completely ready and, you know, able to plug straight in. And the reason I'm going into this is that you need to maintain flexibility. And by keeping stuff private until it becomes permanent, you keep that flexibility entirely. Because, so say we're launching um, a new product at the Health Entrepreneur Club. We would want to know that people want the product. We'd want to know that it's going to be relatively successful before we even start building it. We probably want to take some, some orders first. So you've, you, some people know about it. So there is that ability to copy if they wanted to. But we have massive flexibility there because we've got an MVP or a minimum viable product. And we've got flexibility to change whatever we're doing to fit what those signals are saying. Whereas if we just say, here's our product, please buy it, i.e. it's not private, we've put it out there. Either we've literally built it and launched it or we've said, we're going to build this. This is exactly what it does. Do you want it? you become so inflexible, it's unbelievable. And until something becomes permanent, there's still room for adjustments, modifications, changes, and keeping it private allows you to explore different possibilities. So my advice to you would be, think about this in your own business. You know, we've, we've done the ones, 
for the life strategy, but for your business right now, what could you do in your business? Or how could you keep something in your business more private, even maybe from your team members, if you've got a small team, to give you more flexibility? So a good example of someone that we, we've, spoke, we've worked with actually, was they wanted to give out uh, employee perks. So there's gonna be three different perks, different things. One was a product, one was a service, one was a, uh, I think it was an event or something. And what the, this entrepreneur did was he announced all three of these to his team of 30 and said, we're gonna run all three of these simultaneously for six months and at the end you have to choose which one you want, which one the employees use the most and which one they want. Because he, his thinking was they're gonna be like, this is incredible, three new perks and at the end we can pick the best one. So he didn't keep anything private. At the end of the six months, he took away two of them and left one, the one that they had voted for. But people were so unhappy that they had had those two things taken away because they didn't, they didn't remember that they were add-ons. People were very unhappy. They got bad net promoter scores and people even started to leave. So that's a really good example of keep things private until they're permanent. Find out first from the employees which one of those was the best perk. You can do that very easily by doing small focus groups or just doing research around other businesses because you're not the first one that's probably tried to put perks in place. And then launch one. If, that, if they don't like that one, six months later, take it away, launch a new one. It's much, much better way to keep something private until it's permanent because people like to copy. People also have difficulty with things being taken away regardless of if they were free or if they were add-ons, whatever. So I think there's a lot of flexibility to be had in keeping things private, both from corporate launching standpoint and also uh, employee and team motivation. So I hope that was interesting for you, a relatively short episode, but it's something that you know we, Antonio and I, absolutely live by, keep it private until it's permanent. It doesn't mean don't ask for advice, don't ask for, men ask for mentorship, don't join communities, don't have accountability. What it does mean is just be confident in your decisions, do your own research, and then when you're ready to let people know, make sure that you've already got something ready to go because otherwise people will copy, they'll talk you out of it, or you know that flexibility is completely lost. So thank you for listening and I hope to see you again soon.